Badger fans, and welcome to another edition of Bucky's Fifth Podcast. As always, Tyler Hunt and Matt Bells here covering everything Wisconsin athletics. On today's show, we've got some news in the front in regards to both football and basketball. Um, the men's basketball Big Ten opponents were released for both the home and away, so that'll be an interesting thing to dive into. We've got some uh, transfer rumors kicking up on the Wisconsin football circuit, so it'll be fun to talk about that. And then in the back half of the show, we're going to get into our depth chart post-spring practice. So we've talked about, now kind of went through where each position is. We've graded it out. Now it's time to say, okay, after spring practice, what does the two deep look like? We'll go through each position and kind of hammer that out. Um, it should be a fun episode to kind of give you guys a baseline of where Wisconsin football looks um, after spring, heading into summer conditioning and into fall, because it's, it's kind of good to know where they're at right now and, and see how that could possibly change as you get into uh, you know the the fall season that way. So it should be a fun episode to kind of give you guys a nice little rundown of where things stand at the moment. Matt, how are you today? I'm doing phenomenal, yeah. Ready to jump into it. Lots of positive news all around for, for Badger Athletics. Uh, I know that we just saw commencement going through for a lot of players people um, kind of making that next step for some and then some choosing to come back. I know the volleyball team has to be really excited about some of the ladies who are coming back to help that team. Uh, you got people like Sydney Hilly coming back. That's definitely exciting. So I think there's a lot of really positive momentum for the athletic department, and you know we'll dive into that most notably with the football and basketball team today. Yeah, we'll start with football because I think that was the big news of this this uh, this Thursday morning was the rumor mill starting to heat up a little bit around um, former Clemson running back Chaz Malusi. Of course, we've talked about that a little bit already, um, him being in the transfer portal. Um, interest in Wisconsin, I know uh, 247, there was a crystal ball prediction that he was, I think it was 100% to Wisconsin. Um, and then there were some other strong words in regards to um, him looking to choose the Badgers. So nothing set in stone, no commitment or anything like that. He does have a visit to Wisconsin next month, so you probably won't have an official commitment by then. But it seems like a lot of people are pretty confident um, that Ches Malusi may end up being a Badger, which, of course, is pretty key when you think about the uh, the grades that we just handed out for each position. I would I think running back was our lowest graded one for both of us. So definitely. the running back room definitely needs some depth. This would make a lot of sense. It seems like it's a perfect puzzle, perfect fit right now. So what did you make of, of the news and that kind of heating up? Yeah, I, th- I think it's definitely positive because we, we mentioned just how dire things were at that running back position, at least in our eyes at this moment, because you can't trust that players who thus far have been fairly injury prone are going to be healthy come come fall. And I think the Badgers are pre- pretty comfortable with what they have with Jalen Berger, but, but behind him it's, it's kind of a, you know, a, a mixed bag and, and a kind of an unknown. So I think Malusi adding him in, he's a guy who can both help out as a runner, as a pass catcher, as a blocker. I think he's the type of athlete, former four-star kid, at least according to the composite, which kind of brings in the fact that he was a three-star with rivals, four-star with 247. 
and an Army All-American participant. He's the type of athlete that I think Wisconsin should be getting at running back and that they haven't necessarily been able to have. I know Berger is in that elite company, but Wisconsin hasn't been able to kind of get over the hump and consistently bring that in um, most most recent years here, the past couple specifically. But but you look at it, and I think he, he's coming in immediately once um, – Official visits can open up in, in the beginning of June, so I would imagine that things are looking really nicely right now. He's come out multiple times saying the Badgers are his leader. Um, he, he's has followed a lot of people on Twitter. It's, it, there's a lot of buzz right now, and I would, I would assume that it's as close to a done deal as it can be, um, assuming that the visit goes well and, and all the boxes get checked off. He's able to get in, and, and there's no you know UW admissions screws everything up or something. Yeah, where there's smoke, there's fire, and I think there that's a situation right now where when you're hearing all these things, it's usually a pretty positive sign that it's, like you said, as close to a done deal as possible. You know, he gets on campus, sees things for what they actually are, and everything goes smoothly. I would be I would be shocked at this point, just based on everything we've kind of read and seen and heard, that it wouldn't end up with Chesma Lucy being a Badger, which is huge for this running back room. Again, we when we talked about him, when this rumor kind of started, he wasn't a player that couldn't get on the field at, at Clemson. He did play a little bit. Um, had a pretty talented running back in front of him, Travis Etienne. And, of course, Clemson is uh, a place that can recruit running backs and, and turn out a lot of talented players. So it wasn't such a matter of him not producing. He did get some time. He scored for Clemson. He was a productive player. Just probably wasn't getting the touches and the looks that he was looking for. But at Wisconsin, it's there's going to be plenty of carries to go around right now. And, you're confident in what you have in Jalen Berger, but behind him is is still a concern, and the fact that the Jalen Berger is going to come in as a freshman, still given the COVID waiver, not yet gone through a full Big Ten season, a full 12 game schedule with non conference games, was on a little bit. I know they said they, he wasn't on a pitch count this past year, but only 15 carries in each of the games that he was in. It seemed like they were being a little bit cautious with him. The wear and tear of a full season um, could knock you back a little bit in that regard. And then behind him, there's been injury concerns all over the place. You know, Wisconsin in 2019, you know, I was writing a running back recap uh, yesterday, got 463 carries from the running back room. And the guys that are still in there only took nine of those carries. So there's going to be plenty if you base it kind of on that to go around. So Ches Malusi would certainly fit and probably take on um, a pretty significant role um, for the Badgers because right now they just have not seen a guy step up and be ready to take that running back two role by storm. Yeah, and, and, and really he could push for some, some reps with that RB1 role in mm-hmm. a lot of ways because he's got really good vision, at least what, what we've seen. He sets up his blocks nicely. He doesn't have, like, overly explosive speed in the in the open field, but he definitely has enough wheels to, to separate, and he's a really good athlete. There's a reason that he was committed to Clemson and that he got offers from places all over the country. This is a really talented player that I think could elevate the room in a lot of ways. And it's nice that he has multiple years of experience to lean on, but also multiple years of eligibility moving forward. So I think you look at scholarship um, distribution-wise, he fits in really nicely with what they need, which is somebody who has experience and health, and and hopefully that that, uh, it all works out here. But right now, things are looking really promising. Yeah, it should be exciting to see how that one unfolds. Of course, you mentioned uh, he will have that visit in June and would probably expect to find out one way or the other um, Come once that comes and happens and, and he can get on campus and see what Wisconsin is all about. 
All right, moving on down the line here in terms of basketball, we've got some news. The 2021-22 men's basketball Big Ten opponents were announced um, for home games that are just home. You've got Iowa, Michigan, and Penn State for games that are both home and away. You've got Indiana, Michigan State, Minnesota, Nebraska, Ohio State, Purdue, and Rutgers. And for the three games that are exclusively away, you've got Illinois, Maryland, and Northwestern. So interesting schedule. Of course, the Wisconsin will have a lot of new faces and guys in the rotation taking on bigger minutes. What do you make of this Big Ten schedule? I know it's it's early, and you don't know what a lot of these teams might have, but it's still a good indicator to see kind of where you're going and which games will be at home and, and which ones you'll have some tough road tests. Yeah, it's definitely a, a ways away at this point, but but I think you look at it and overall it's pretty good. I think the Badgers have to be fairly happy with what they got. Um, ha- having just that one one game against a team like Illinois, against a team like Michigan, that's that's a benefit to you. I think Maryland will be a little bit better next year probably. That's a benefit to only play them once, um, albeit on the road. So uh, you, you also look at it. A lot of home and homes. I think those are the teams that you're fairly comfortable with. That I think you would have wished to have seen maybe Penn State more than once um, or Northwestern more than once, but but it is what it is at this point. Uh, it is a benefit to not have to go to Ann Arbor to play Michigan um, there. That's one of the tougher environments in the in the Big Ten, and that's a team that I think is rising and their recruiting profile is definitely strengthening. So I think overall, schedule-wise, looks pretty solid. I think this Badger team is going to take their lumps because of their youth, but but really I'm, I'm excited to see what they are able to do with a really huge infusion of young talent that are coming in and some transfer players. So it's going to be a completely flipped roster in a lot of ways, and, and hopefully Johnny Davis can – can shoulder the load and help this team win some ball games, whether that be on the home or on the road. But right now, it's so early with schedules, and there's so much um, variability in who's going to be transferring where, um, what recruits are still going to be coming, how everything will shake out, that it's hard to make projections about a record or really look at this and know a lot. But it's still it's nice to see that they, they got some favorable shake shakedowns here, and, and really, I, I think, overall, they're doing great. Yeah, I would have liked to see that you only that you got Purdue only at home. That would be the only one, so they don't have to go to that, um, you know, outlandish and, and horrible place that you know Dimitri Trice was tweeting about yesterday that that was the toughest place to play in the Big Ten. Um, so it, it's always tough to see a road trip to Purdue. But yeah, I agree with you. Only having to play, take on a team like Michigan at home is ideal. You avoid a, a team like Illinois, who is also playing a lot better. Of course, you're not going to have probably the same. Um, sort of production from some of their players, but they still return a, a good group, and Wisconsin's going to be a completely different team. So um, either way, you know, the, the schedule, like you said, is it's early to really make anything of it, but I, I think most of the matchups are favorable, and it should be an exciting season for Wisconsin basketball. I know there will be there'll be some growing pains, there'll be some struggles, but it'll be nice to see a a new crop, you know crop of faces get in there and and play and and see what they can do, um, and, and not that same group that you've seen for years and years and years. So it should be exciting in the Wisconsin basketball circuit, but a long ways away from that. All There's right, a couple. I would say, I would say their one thing is, though, they did win at Mackey this past year beating North Carolina. <laughs> so it's not That's like they, maybe point. that got the monkey off their back a little bit. That would be that would be an exciting time. All of a sudden they go on a streak there just because they broke the ice over the, uh, over the North Carolina Tar Heels. Great point on that one. Must be something with the crowd and that Purdue environment that really makes it shaky. 
All right, guys, we'll go ahead and get our ad reads out of the way here quickly, and then we'll get into our projected depth chart following spring practice. All right, we'll give you guys a little rundown on everything in terms of the depth chart. Spring practice, of course, come and gone. We went, went back and given grades to each position group, so make sure to check that out. Now we'll go through and, and just kind of give you guys an idea of where the depth chart sits right now. I think some positions are pretty set in stone. Some, maybe there's a little bit of debate, um, but we'll start from the top. Quarterback, I think this one's pretty easy. Graham Mertz is going to be QB1. Chase Wolf, I would say, is QB2. And then you can allow Danny Vandenboom and Daniel Wright to compete over who's going to be QB3 um, in, in that regard in QB4. But uh, where do you what do you think about the quarterback room? Pretty set in stone? For sure. And I, I think really the fact that Graham Mertz is getting pretty much all of the reps with the ones tells you everything you need to know, that he's going to be the guy – uh, Chase Wolf's going to be two, and, and really, who knows? Maybe maybe Deacon Hill can come in and grab that third spot. Um, yeah. But but right now, I think for sure it's Mertz and Wolf. I think that one's a pretty easy one, so we won't spend too much time on it. Here is another one. Uh, moving on down, running back. Just kind of talked about it. I think your starter is Jalen Berger, and then your backup is whoever is healthy and and ready to play right now. We talked about that <laughs> Lucy. You hope he's in there, but. Based on what we saw in spring practice, it's Jalen Berger and and Brady Shipper because he got most of the reps. <laughs> yeah, or or uh, or Jack Dunn. I mean, yeah. but um, but really, I think it's gonna. I think it's Jalen Berger. Um, assuming Malusi comes in, I think they're gonna be a nice one-two punch. Um, they bring a little dip, something different between the two of them. And if not, if Malusi doesn't come in, the only guy that I can really look at and, and think, yeah, I, based off of how high they've been on him what um, they've been attempting to do with him for so many years now is Isaac Rendo, and, and he's the kid, but it comes down to can he keep his hamstrings healthy, and that's been really tough for him so far. So if, if he can, if he is, is set to go, he's a guy who could challenge in there, not necessarily for that starting spot, but I think for the number two role. But as of right now, yeah, I think it's, it's Berger's RB1, but then behind him, it's, it's more of a toss-up, and I think really it's going to come down to if it's Malusi or not. Yeah, it's really a cloudy mess there. I mean, we've we've heard it time and time again with Isaac Rendo. The athleticism is is off the charts. It's just it's it's really a matter of of health and and seeing it firsthand. I mean, just um, you know, a handful of carries is a guy that you hope. And again, we've we said this a little bit a couple episodes ago. You know the names, you know that he's athletic, but you got to see it on the field. And right now, that running back room and as a whole, um, kind of all has a similar situation. Same thing with Julius Davis. You just don't know where he's at. I think you know you've got a pretty solid role player in Brady Shipper, but um, you certainly need a, a running back, too, that is, is going to be ready to step on, and, and we'll see if maybe it's a, a younger guy that comes in. But right now, the I would say the cloud and the question marks are, are certainly around that running back, two position and, and who ends up being there and, and who steps up to take on that role. For sure, and, th- and that's, the, that's why they're really um, active in the portal. Yep, got to be going after those big names. I know Wisconsin, of course, lost out on Marquis Step. We'll keep an eye on Ches Malusi as he moved things along there. All right, moving on to the wide receiver room. I think this one is, is pretty solid as well. It kind of depends on how you shake things out with, um, you know, starter, backup, quote-unquote. I think you, you've got an established starter in, in Danny Davis and Kendrick Pryor. You've got a really good third receiver in, in Shimre DK. Where they line up in terms of who's the starter is, is going to be an interesting thing. But what do you see from the wide receiver room right now? 
Yeah, I think those three and then Jack Dunn are probably your top four. That's what Paul Christ has said, um, at least he said in, in camp. Um, but, but I think you look at the complexion of that group. They bring some some different skill sets. Timmer DK is really good over the middle after the catch. Uh, Danny Davis is more of a possession guy who can who can elevate, get get uh, a tough a tough ball back shoulders. He's really good at. Um, and and um, Kendrick Pryor is is kind of a Swiss Army knife and, and more of a playmaker that you just want to get the ball in his hands. But I, but I think that that fourth spot, you know, I, I honestly think that. Um, Jack Dunn is probably going to see plenty of playing time, but I wouldn't be surprised if A.J. Abbott and Devin Chandler pushed him quite a bit because you look at how well they supposedly played this spring, and both players bring a little bit more juice than than Jack Dunn, and that's nothing against Jack Dunn because he played really well last year, and he does a lot of really nice things. But A.J. Abbott is 6'2", 200 pounds. Like, you got to love the size that he brings you you also saw Devin Chandler open things up in kick returns. We saw him make some nice plays as well last year. So I think overall, a lot of depth here, but I think those top four are kind of set up right now. Definitely the top three that you brought up. Yeah, I, I think the top three are set in stone. It's just a matter of who else can maybe give you a little spark behind them, whether it be A.J. Abbott. I mean, I, it's, it, I think Jack Dunn, for depth and, and the sake of if there's injuries, I mean, you talk about Kendrick Fryer and Danny Davis, they've been banged up before, so it doesn't hurt to have a guy that has some experience like Jack Dunn. We saw him fill in um, admirably this past year. It's just if you if you really want to take your offense to the next level, we, we saw some struggles. Jack Dunn was kind of the go-to guy at some points this past year, and it you know I applaud him for what he did, but sometimes you need a little bit more, and I think – Guys like Devin Chandler, A.J. Abbott, if they're proven and ready to go, um, could certainly give you a little bit more. So I think those couple spots, a little bit further down on the depth chart in terms of rotation, guys, um, will certainly be something to look for. But right now, I think you've got to feel good with what you've got, and uh, hopefully someone can maybe separate themselves to be that wide receiver four as they move into uh, fall practice. Yeah, and there's plenty. There's going to be plenty of reps of a wide receiver. They they distribute the reps there quite a bit. And um, you know, you look at Dunn as well as AJ Abbott. They're pretty good blockers, which I think will help them out to see the field for sure. All right. Speaking of blockers, the tight end room as you move into that spot, kind of it's 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 hard to stake out and say, okay, who's going to be your starter and your backup in the tight end room because. You clearly have an established starter in Jake Ferguson, and as a pass catcher, if you if you break the role into a pass catching tight end, Jake Ferguson is is by far your guy. Ferguson can do a little bit of both. He can block. He's gotten a lot better at that over the course of his career. Um, but if you also classify it as just a blocking tight end position, I think Hayden Rucci is probably your guy there. And then you've got a group of of Jack Eschenbach, Jalen Franklin, and, and Clay Condep, and maybe some of the, even the younger guys behind them. So how do you lay out the, the tight end room right now? Yeah, I mean, if you look at it, I, I think Jake Ferguson's the definitive number one guy, both as a blocker as well as a pass catcher. But um, Hayden Rucci's more of your inline guy as a blocker, and, and I think he, he's, you know, for all intents and purposes, tight end number two, and behind them I think it would be Jack Eschenbach if if it was right now based off of he had a pretty good camp. He's, he's you know, an upperclassman who's made some nice, nice, nice moves in there. And we'll see about Clay Cundiff. We'll see about guys like Jalen Franklin. I think they can make a move and get involved. But but right now I think those top three are, are uh, you know, the top three in the depth chart. 
Yeah, it's going to be interesting to see who who gets just some reps there at that tight end room. You you know what you've got in Jake Ferguson. It sounds like he's gotten even better. Hayden Rucci can you know, certainly give you a, a strong presence in extending the line and blocking that way. But who gets worked in there after and, and in what role is going to be interesting. It sounds like Jalen Franklin is a really talented pass-catching threat, but can he evolve into a blocker as well? I'm not sure. He might be more uh, you know, a slot-slash-tight-end type of guy. Jack Escherbach seems like a guy who can do it all. I mean, you all know that we're fans of, of him and his game. So how that tight end room shakes out and, and not so much who starts, but I think who gets the reps is going to be interesting behind Jake Ferguson because I think there's a lot of talent in that room, but you can only play so many tight ends in so many different spots. Yeah, exactly. All right, moving to the offensive line. I think here you've got a little bit of interest. Um, I know, of course, it's kind of been laid out by where Joe Rudolph's got his group, um, but there's a lot of depth and talent here that could certainly make a push. But as of right now, where do you have your five starters kind of laying out? I think the offensive line is pretty established right now, at least what it's supposed to be going into fall camp, at least what I think that that Joe Rodolfo will start with. I think you're going to have Tyler Beach at left tackle, left guard. You're going to have Josh Seltzner Um, at at center. you got Caden Lyles at right guard. It it definitely seems as though it's going to be Jack Nelson. And at right tackle, you're going to once again have Logan Brust. I think that is – pretty well established right now that that's probably what it's going to look like to start off fall camp. Uh, behind them, it, it's it's more of a mixed bag, and we'll see kind of how it, it flashes out. I think Logan Brown is definitely your, your backup at left tackle and probably being groomed to take over that role after Tyler Beach uh, moves on to the next level. So I would assume that he's your left tackle. At right tackle, probably Trey Wedding. He's a huge kid. I honestly think, though, that um, – you, you've got some freshmen are coming in, and Nolan Rochi might might be able to wiggle his way in and, and show just how talented he is, even though he'd be a true freshman. I, I would go, I would guess that they'd probably redshirt him, but maybe if if needed to be thrown in the fire, they would give him some reps. Um, inside, you've got another a couple different guys that I think could help you out. I think Tanner Bordellini's probably um, your backup center. He, he has been for, for a lot of this time. But I also think Cormac Sampson could help you out there, too. Cormac Sampson will definitely be one of the backups at guard. And then I would also say Michael Furtney. So I think that's what it looks like right now if you're going with an even 10. But, but that also is without taking into consideration a guy like Joe Tipman, who's kind of an enigma right now. We don't know what the deal is right with him. He's a kid, though, that came in with – a lot of, you know, pomp and circumstance, a lot of excitement. We'll see if he can kind of get back into the mix. But but I think that top 10 is, is pretty, pretty set right now um, as things stand. Yeah, I mean, with, with Beach, Selsner, Lyles, Nelson, Bruss, I think you've got a good group that, that you like. And I think the question will be, if you – I'll pose this to you. If there was one of those five that is in the – most danger of being knocked off for someone else, who would you say? Because I think right now it's probably Josh Seltzner at left guard, where you could maybe see some competition there. But um, I think that's going to be the question is, can any of these guys get knocked off for um, someone in that backup role? I would agree. I think it's Josh Seltzner. And I think if if that was going to happen, what you'd probably end up seeing would would be that Beach would shift back to the right side. You'd probably pop back in. Um, 
Logan Brust to a guard role and then put Logan Brown in at left tackle. And that would be just because Logan Brown was showing that he was too good to not be included in the top five because he's a kid who's probably not going to end up playing guard. I just don't see it. So I think that's what it would have to take. But but as of right now, I just think I'm guessing Selsner will get the first crack at it. But I wouldn't be surprised, though, if there's some potential shakeups throughout the year or they they might uh, try some different things in fall camp. An, another name that I, I just think that Cormac Sampson has earned a lot of leeway in that room based off of what he did at tight end, how he helped them out this last year at offensive line, and the fact that he got over that 300-pound clip. I think he's a kid that they've been really high on. He's a really good athlete that I think could fit anywhere along that offensive line as a swing guy. So I could see if you need a plug-and-play, he's a guy that could – could uh you know enter the mix and shake things up yeah I think that um that that conversation of the offensive line and where things could possibly move is probably one of the positions that could have a little bit of shake up just depending on on where things you know shake out and, and where some of these guys end up so that'll be an interesting position to watch as you move forward into fall camp see what other combinations might work and, and things might change Joe Rudolph might see something from somebody he wants to work in there so before we round out the offense, we have to touch on the fullback room. Um, depth chart-wise, it, it, it's John Chennault, it's Quan Easterling's in there, and then, you know, really it's a question mark. But I think Wisconsin probably likes what they've got in those two. But uh, what do you make of the fullback room in such a key position for the Badgers? Yeah, I think it's definitely those two. It seems like I would be surprised if John Chennault is, isn't seeing the very, very top end of all of the reps. I mean, he is, he is by far your top fullback. He, he's kind of earned that after backing up and, and working with Mason Stocky for the past couple of years. I think he's a really talented kid who, who should help them out in a lot of ways. I, I'm excited to see what Quan Easterling can do though, because I think he will get some more opportunities when they bring in two tight ends. I mean, two fullbacks, but, but really, I think it's John Chanel at the top. Yeah, you you would have to hope that he can take on you know most of the reps. He's a really talented fullback. Sounds like he's gotten better and done more in the passing game, in the screen game, picking up blocks. So um, I think he's poised for for possibly a bigger year with Mason Stocky now out of the fold. You're going to need him to step up. I, I certainly could see him doing that and having a really solid year. A lot of talent, and I'm just haven't seen it. As much just because Wisconsin had a really talented uh, you know, fullback in front of him, and he was just kind of getting the secondary reps. But I would fully expect him to step into that fullback one role and, and thrive in it and, and take it um, head on. All right, moving to the defensive side of the football now. We'll start with the defensive line and, and work our way back. I think this one right now was pretty clear at the start of spring. I still think the starters are there, but I, it sounds like the backups all got better. Um, which is important. So for me, I think you've got Henningsen, um, Keanu Benton, and Isaiah Mullins as your starters. Um, but then you've got guys like Gio Paez, Bryson Williams, Rodas Johnson, all sound like they've improved. Bryson Williams has got some flexibility where maybe he could line up at a DN spot and uh, uh, also the nose tackle spot. So it's great to have that there. But um, I, I'm interested to see which guys like Gio Paez and Rodas Johnson could maybe push for um, maybe not a starter spot, but at least some playing time, um, some significant playing time at uh, one of those DN spots. Yeah, I, I think right now what's nice is you have 
Keanu Benton, who's, who's I think, your top defensive lineman. He's a difference maker. He's a guy who will probably end up getting drafted here, if not next year, the year after, um, especially if he's able to stay healthy. But behind him, you've got Bryson Williams and Gio Pias, who have, have kind of proven that they can play that nose tackle spot, but they also deliver that flexibility, like you mentioned, to play DN. So I think I think Henningsen's going to be, for sure, a starter at, at defensive end. But I'm interested to see if Bryson Williams can push Isaiah Mullins for, for that other defensive end job or if Rodas Johnson can. I think you got to, given the fact that Gio Pias spent so much of the spring at nose tackle, it gives you a little bit more, um, you know, ability and belief that you could possibly bump out Bryson Williams. He, he dropped a whole bunch of weight. So he's mm-hmm. probably at a place where he could play defensive end and help you out. And if they think that he's ahead of Isaiah Mullins right now, which I'm not sure if he is, I, I, I've been really high on Isaiah Mullins um, ever, ever since what we saw him do two years ago. So I think, I think we're going to see Henningsen, Mullins, and Benton to start. But I, I do think that in the rotation, Bryson Williams, Gio Paez, Rodas Johnson, maybe even a guy like Cade McDonald can get in there. But, but I, like, I like that there's some solid depth in the depth chart. And, and that there's some younger guys who have started to emerge to show that, hey, there's a glimpse of the future of what could be behind Matt Henningsen, for example. And I think that's all positive for this group. But I like the depth along the defensive line. Yeah, it certainly doesn't hurt to have six, seven guys that you feel like you can play at that defensive line you know, position. You look at Wisconsin teams of old, they have not you know, had nearly that much. Sometimes you were just looking for who's going to be the three starters. Um, and, and maybe not feeling that great about it. So the defensive line talent has certainly improved. I think it's great to have some depth there that you can rotate, keep guys fresh. You're probably going to, like you said, Keanu Benton, when he's ready to go, he's not winded, he's going to be out there. Um, but the rest of the guys that, that can maybe move around and, and make some plays is, is certainly a good thing. So I don't think you'll see just those three um, at the top. I think you'll see some other guys get worked in, but that's not a not a bad thing at all to keep bodies fresh at such a tiring and and I'd have to imagine um, physical position. You know, these guys are taking on blocks. You know, hitting people um, in the trenches is a lot of work. So I, I can't imagine um, it's a bad thing to have um, a good amount of depth there for sure. All right, we'll move down to the linebacker spot now. We'll start inside. I think this one in terms of starters, similar to Graham Mertz at QB one. The inside linebacker starters are pretty set in stone and, and not up for much debate in Jack Sanborn and Leo Chennault. I think who you list as the backup for you know for both of them, if you had to, you know, I think you've got Mike Mascalunas that will fill in as um, you know as as really inside linebacker number three can rotate with either of those two. But after that, you've got Muba Njagmeta, Jordan Turner, Tatum Grass, all guys that could compete for an inside linebacker spot. So. Where do you have it shaken out uh, inside right now? Yeah, I think the inside linebacker spot is one of the ones where you can point to and be like similar to quarterback, where it's very much pretty much set in stone, where you know, yep, top, your top two. And I would even say that behind them, like, you've got Mike Mascalunas and Muma John Mata. I think it stops there. I don't, I don't think any of the other players at inside linebacker are probably going to see a lot of playing time in the base package. Maybe they'll see, they'll probably see time on special teams. We've seen Tatum Grass in special teams before, but, uh, but I don't think you're going to see a lot of movement away from those top four because really you're going to have the top two on the field so frequently that, that the depth behind them won't be needed quite as much as long as they're still healthy. So I think the top four is, is pretty well established, like you mentioned. 
Yeah, I think that uh, those, as long as the top two are, are ready to go and able to be out there, you're pretty much going to see them. So four might even be a stretch. Or if you could get away with um, just running with Chanel, Sanborn, and Mike Mascalunas get rolling in when they need a break, um, I, I think the, the defense would sign up for them because that means Sanborn and Chanel are out there and healthy and making plays throughout the entire season. All right, on the outside linebacker spot, I think right now it's pretty set in stone of who will be your starters, but I think you might have a little bit more pushback from the backups to maybe pick off one of those spots if certain players don't produce. But who do you have as your two starters on the outside? I think it's Noah Burks and Nick Herbig. I think those are going to be the guys to start it off. But I do think that Spencer Weidel is going to push Noah Burks, and I think C.J. Getz will get plenty of reps as well. I think those top four are going to be – the, the primary options. A guy like Aaron Witt can also deliver something because he's a little bit bigger and more of a more stout against the run. He's also really good hand, has really good hands and a motor to get around the edge. So I think those top five are, are, are well established, but I do think that Burks and Herbig are your, your one two combo. And then those backups, I think Spencer Weidel and CJ Getz, because there's so much that goes into game by game and matchups that those two will play as well because Spencer Lytle's really good in space as a, as a drop-back linebacker, so he can help them out in a lot of ways. We saw him play a bunch against Wake Forest, which makes sense when they were doing that RPO, trying to, trying to just uh, throw right behind the linebackers, and he was able to pop back. So I think, I think there's a lot of leeway with this group, but really those top four, five, if you consider Witt in there as well, I think will round out the uh, group. Yeah, I think it's going to be interesting to see which one of those guys pushes Noah Burks or if Noah Burks, you know, comes in and does the things that he needs to do and establishes himself as a starter there and hopefully can make some plays. You know, the pass rush just wasn't there last year and, and Wisconsin's defense relies on it heavily. So if if he's not getting the job done, I, I have no doubts that you're going to see a good amount of C.J. Getz and Spencer Lytle pushing him for reps and, and maybe working them into – that quote-unquote starter role. So I think outside linebacker is going to be a fascinating position to watch, not only in spring practice or in fall practice as they get into it, but also in games. If the production isn't there, will they go to somebody else to maybe get a spark? It's going to be a, a contentious position for sure. All right, the cornerback room is another one. You've got two really good starters in, in Caesar Williams, Bayon Hicks, but similar to the wide receiver room, where they shake out, I mean, again, in terms of starter, Wisconsin a lot of the time starts, quote-unquote, three cornerbacks with someone kind of taking on that nickel role. I know they've been looking for the, the third corner to step up. How do you have it set up in, in the cornerback room right now? Yeah, Williams and Hicks, like you mentioned, and I think Alexander Smith is probably your nickel or or is that third corner, whether that means that Hicks stays on the outside or if he would pop in for the nickel um, is, is to be seen. But I think the top three of Williams, Hicks, and Smith is 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 where it's at right now. But I also like Dean Ingram. I think that he's probably your fourth cornerback, and Dante Burton's probably fifth. Um, so I think overall, like we mentioned, there's a lot of depth across this roster right now because you had an entire class or a large chunk of an entire class stay behind to, to continue playing, like like Caesar Williams, for example. But but really, I think those top four you have to feel fairly comfortable with. We haven't seen a lot of Ingram and Smith outside of special teams, but I think that they'll bring something to help this team out. Yeah, I think really the question is is where is who moves into that um, you know that nickel role. I could certainly see Fayon Hicks popping down and, and being in that role, 
or I could see him staying on the outside. I think both make sense. It's just a matter of what Jim Leonard feels most comfortable with, and he's the guy that is qualified to make that decision. So whatever whatever um, way he rolls, I think you've got to be happy with um, the depth that you've got there with, with four pretty solid players, two guys that have played a lot, two guys you can work in, and then even some depth behind them um, if needed. So I think the cornerback room is, is feeling pretty solid right now. Continuing on in the secondary, again, um, coming back to this a little bit, we've got uh, two solid starters, uh, I think, right there. Scott Nelson, you feel really good about. Colin Wilder, um, of course, stepping into a role, and you expected to have a guy like Reggie Pearson possibly back. He's not going to be back. Of course, Wisconsin plays a lot of three safeties, so someone could work into that group. How do you have your safety room laid out right now? Yeah, so it'll be Nelson and Wilder, at least as of right now, assuming they're healthy as as free and strong as, as your starters. But behind them, I think if I had to take a you know a guess, I would say John Torchio and Travion Blaylock. Those two are a little a little older. They have a little bit more experience. We've seen Torchio when he's healthy make some nice plays out on the field. Um, Travion Blaylock has done some nice things in special teams. He seems like he's turned a nice corner in his career, and it, it seems like he's, he's really um, making some nice strides. I, I'm interested, though, to see what Titus Toller looks like come, come fall because I think him and Preston Zachman are a couple of guys that I could see push those two as well. So right now I would say Nelson and Wilder followed by Torchio and Blaylock, but, but I think – Toller, Zachman, and then I've mentioned it so many times, Hunter Wooler um, is another guy who I think when it comes to fall, he, he probably won't be in your top four, but I do think that when it comes to next year, he'll be a starter. I, I he, He'll follow that, that normal red shirt and then all of a sudden have used the offseason and become a starter type thing that Reggie Pearson, for example, had done and that Scott Nelson had done and so many other players before him. Yeah, I think you'd be totally fine with, with signing up for, for that completely. Um, having those two at the top, you work in a guy like Torchio and Blaylock when you need to and, and possibly Hunter Roller, and then if not, you know he, he takes over and, and takes on a spot next year. I think that would be a, a great plan for the safety room as you round out the defense. All right, do you want to do some special teams depth chart as well? Because I think those are some important positions to kind of touch on. Well, we'll start with kicker, because I think that's actually a little bit of a competition, is is who's going to be the guy kicking the field goals. Who would you say, based on what we kind of heard, is the starter right now? Yeah, I mean, it sounds like Colin Larch had a rough spring, for all intents and purposes, and he, he's had a rough last two years, really, in that role. Um, kind of been very up and down, spotty performances, whereas I think Jack Van Dyke has been a little bit more consistent, so I would go with him. He's obviously a younger option, but has a bigger leg. So I would go with Jack Van Dyke, probably a kicker, followed by Colin Lars. But but really, who knows? Um, it, it might be something where Van Dyke gets the early nod and then Lars gets some opportunities, or it might be the other way around where they go with Lars, the experience, and then try to work Van Dyke in to, to possibly take over that role later. But I think Jack Van Dyke is the better option, personally. I mean, at this point... I feel comfortable saying I've seen what Colin Lars brings, and it's it's pretty shaky from time to time. And I know that there's been multiple games that that has either cost the Badgers or gotten to a close a point where it was a little too close for comfort because of missed opportunities. So I, I look at it as if there's a younger guy who's got a bigger leg and possibly going to be just as accurate, I think you run with that. Yeah, I totally agree with you. I mean, it's it's 
not a situation where Colin Marsh hasn't had opportunities. It's we, I think you know what you've got there. And, and personally right now it just doesn't sound like that's cutting it. The spring ball from what we've heard from the media didn't really inspire in you know confidence. Um, you know, and, and really either of them, I know both of them kind of, I know Larsh had a little bit more rough of a spring and Jack Van Dykes maybe got a little bit more opportunity. So um, it's going to be fascinating to see who ends up getting the reps. But I, I think right now it, it's time to probably give Jack Van Dyke um, a real solid look in the kicker position. Uh, punter, I think this one's pretty easy. Andy Vujinovic had a phenomenal year, <laughs> really one of the guys that, um, you know, had a great year. Um, and for everyone uh, in terms of stats, you look at his stats, he really did well, came in and took on that role. I, I don't think there's really much conti- competition at that punter spot. Yeah, and unless Connor Schlichting made huge strides or something's <laughs> going on with Andy Vujinovic that we don't know about um, at this point, uh, I think it's his job to lose. All right, moving on here. Kick returner, I think we saw a really strong glimpse from Devin Chandler in that spot. Um, you probably need a second one. Stephen Bracey could be a guy there. Uh, maybe maybe Dean Engram. Or some, maybe somebody else works into the fold. Who do you have as your kick returners? I think it'll be Chandler. Um, he, he got a lot of reps later in the year, made some nice plays. Stephon Bracey didn't do much with his opportunities as a kick returner. So I would go with Chandler, but um, I, I who knows? There might be some, some younger guys who get an opportunity. You look at that um, – Secondary, and there's a lot of a lot of those cornerbacks were pretty stellar kick returners in their day. Um, so maybe a guy like Dean Ingram can get involved, but I would think it's Chandler. Yeah, I think what we've seen from him in in the limited time that he got was pretty impressive, and I think a full time role in that spot is certainly warranted at this point in time. Punt returner, we we've talked about Jack Dunn and having a role. It seems like it's going to be hard for someone to beat him out because he's always the guy there. Um, do you think there's some competition in that punt returner spot, or is it Jack's done uh, position to lose? You know, I think it might be Dean Ingram. He he did that a lot last year, and I know that was probably because Dunn was your definitive number one wide receiver <laughs> for a large chunk of that year, for, for better or worse. And I thought Ingram looked really good. Now with the idea that, hey, you've got some of these young wide receivers making nice strides and some of your established options coming back. Maybe there's less of a need for, for Dunn to stick out at wide receiver and instead he can focus on punt returner. So maybe it's Dunn. I could also see an Ingram, though. I think Ingram brings a little bit more juice to that position, um, but he's also going to be called to, to be on the field a lot at, punt, or at uh, cornerback. So I, I think both of those guys are options. I always love what I see out of Danny Davis at that role, too, but I don't think that Paul Christ is going to want to put him back there. So for right now, I think it's a toss-up. I could see it going either way between Dunn and Ingram, um, but if I had to choose, I would put Danny Davis back there. Yeah, I like that a lot. I mean, I, I think similar to the kicker position, you, you kind of know what you've got back there in Jack Dunn. If somebody's there that can do a little bit more and, and bring a little bit more to the position, I would certainly go with that, but I, I thought that for a couple of years now, and we've still had uh, Jack Dunn back there. So uh, real quick to round things out, kickoffs, I would imagine Jack Van Dyke. Long snapper, of course, Adam Bay is gone. Peter Bowden, Duncan McKinley sound like they're going to be the guys in there. I know you don't think about the long snapper that much, but that's because they've had really solid years from Adam Bay. The first time it's shaky, you'll start paying attention to who the long snapper is. So what do you got <laughs> from those two spots? Yeah, I, I think it's going to be Jack Van Dyke at kickoff specialist. 
Um, so, which would be nice. It'd be nice if if he were to nail down the normal kicking job and the kickoff specialist job. That would be the first time in a while that we've actually had the same mm-hmm. kicker and kickoff specialist. That's been kind of something that's been a little bit different within Wisconsin for the past few years, um, and that was more out of necessity than than by uh, coincidence here. But but then yeah, I think it's it's Peter Bowden, um, but Duncan McKinley just getting in for his first spring. Maybe he can can get into the mix, but I would I would guess that that's kind of what it'll be. Oh, another little thing, if if kick return, if if they don't think that Devin Chandler's the guy, maybe a healthy Isaac Arendo after yeah. what we saw against Minnesota would be fun too. If you're looking at like NCAA video games, he's the guy you have to back out there because yep. he's got absolute wheels when he's healthy. Yeah, he's got the, the burners that can turn on as long as those hamstrings hold up. He's the guy that could maybe make a run back there and, and bring you a little bit something. So I think all those uh, make a lot of sense. Anything else to, to wrap up the depth chart before we uh, end the week uh, of the podcast? No, I think that does it. I think it was a good episode to kind of give you guys a baseline of where things are at right now. Of course, some of those will change. We talked about some positions that could be contentious, but for right now I think the Badgers have a – a really good start, and in where they'll be going into spring, I think you got to like what you've seen from them, what you will uh, have as the season comes up, and it's going to be here before I know, before we all know it. Um, that Friday evening against Penn State, uh, hopefully a full crowd at Camp Randall will be something we'll all be able to enjoy and and watch some of these players that we talked about on the depth chart get out there. So, all right, guys, that wraps up our latest episode of the podcast. We'll be back with you next week on Wisconsin. Thank you.